Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Naira Perez, who's the owner of Spring Hill Digital. She has over two decades of marketing experience. In fact, she got her start in digital marketing long before it became sort of a mainstay for growing your business online. We're going to be talking about digital today. We're going to be talking about how do you really get in touch with your customers, especially if you're looking to jump into the advertising world online. Stay tuned. There's so many great insights in today's episode. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. One of the things we like to talk about today, or just on the show in general, but especially today, is how do you really make your digital advertising work for you? How do you get into the digital space, which especially now post-COVID, we're all thinking about. We're all thinking about how do I take my business online and shape it in a way that it just seems to make me money. It seems to work. It seems to find people who maybe don't live in my town or that I haven't met directly and bring them to my digital doorstep where I can actually talk to them about what I do for them and actually grow my business uh, through more customers online. Well, today we're going to be sitting down with Naira Perez, who's the owner of Spring Hill Digital, and she has over two decades of marketing experience. In fact, she got her start in digital before, excuse me, before digital, she was doing television, you know, that thing that you have uh, on your wall, you might not even have cable anymore, but she was doing it before we even thought about digital. And what her business does is she helps companies like yours develop digital marketing strategies, uh, essentially identify who your customer is, and basically give you a great ROI on paid advertising. We're talking about how do you build your business with a sustainable way that is bringing you more leads and is growing your brand. Naira, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Well, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Just like past the heat wave. <laughs> yeah, I was reading that in Pakistan that today it's like 150 degrees. Which <gasps> it, it's 85 here, and it feels pretty. It feels pretty hot, but I guess I know. I know. We just had our maximum of 115, and that's our record for ever. So for the city, so that's that feels hot, but 150. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, is that believable? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I know. Now, where whereabouts are you from, by the way? We are located in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Yes, I have a friend of mine in Portland, and he was telling me yesterday he doesn't have AC, and he says he's been doing work basically in his underwear. <laughs> he just said, "I." He said, "I have no options." He said, "It's just so hot," which I don't typically think of Portland as a mm-hmm. hot place. But yeah, I guess you guys are going through a heat wave. We yeah, we just did. We finally 
ended it and I say ended it in quotes because it's still 90 something degrees <laughs> but yeah lots of the houses do not have air conditioner because this is not normal yeah yeah well it's great to have you on the show today I'm excited to talk it feels like digital advertising is a thing that or really just the digital market. It feels like people are, we get really excited about it because we know there's a lot of opportunity there. But for many of us as small business owners, it's easy to get in over our head where we get into it and suddenly it's like, okay, what am I doing here? How do I make this work? So it's great to have you on the show today. It's exciting to um, really figure out this, this digital game a little bit better. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what your business does. So um, I actually, like you mentioned, I started in uh, direct response television, actually, which is a fancy word for infomercials. And that was um, back in the day before digital. That was the only way to get real data about how your product was performing. That was the only way to do direct to consumer. And um, so I started loving data at that time. All our strategies were very calculated based on daily call volumes, orders, et cetera, et cetera. So when digital started to grow, it was a natural progression. So I worked with agencies and then I decided to go on my own five years ago. Mm. So that allows me to really help clients that are small to medium that otherwise may have gotten lost in big agencies just because they have small budgets, but big needs. Mm -hmm. And so in bigger agencies, it may not be possible to help them the same way that I can being um, specializing in these uh, kind mm -hmm. of businesses. When I think of infomercials, I think of like the old, uh, like it's like grayscale, like the person's like something's not working like in the kitchen and then suddenly <laughs> everything comes to life with the product. Um, I, I, it feels like there's a bit of a digital version of that today where people, a lot of times mm -hmm. on social media, they talk about the problem you're having and it's, it's, it's like, oh, wait, just do this and it might solve it for you. Does yeah. it seem like it's easier to sell online? You know, it's, it is and it is not. It is because there is more information that you can give to um, the potential customer. There is much more informed decisions. So that is. But also the news feeds in paid social, as an example, have gotten so busy and so filled with, with ads and with information that I think it's overwhelming people. So mm -hmm. it has its process and cons. And um, yeah, whenever you have a new channel, then you know everybody races to be the first one. And uh, sometimes that's, uh, that's good. And sometimes it's not because your content is not ready for it. Your audience mm -hmm. is actually not there. So there's a lot of things to consider. So well, long way to answer your very simple question. Um, it is and it is not. I like that answer. And it makes me wonder, I want to ask you, it does feel like when new channels come out that people do really scurry to get on it. One example of this is TikTok. Um, mm -hmm. TikTok, I can't tell you how many times on LinkedIn, people were saying, oh, you got to get on TikTok. You got to take your business to TikTok. And since we're talking about the small business owner today, especially some of our listeners who are small business owners, uh, I know I can relate to the small business owner who um, our eyes sort of glaze over when we think about yet another platform to take our content to. 
Should that be the strategy of the small business owner, just getting on as many platforms as possible, just getting your name out there? Or is there a better approach to it? Yeah, there is a much better approach, much more manageable approach, which is consider two things whenever evaluating a channel. One, is your audience there? And two, can you create content that you can consistently publish? Mm. So you cannot go on TikTok, have four videos and leave. That's not going to work. You cannot go on Snapchat and create four snaps and then leave. That's just, it's just not what audiences want. They want to hear from you often. They want to hear that you have a content strategy, a line of thought, a tone of voice. So think about it. If you cannot generate video, the only things that you can generate are pictures, then maybe TikTok is not the place. And also, I mean, TikTok has changed a lot in the last year and a half for many reasons. But it used to be that the audience was so young Mm -hmm. that if you were selling something that was extremely expensive, your place was not in TikTok because young audiences may have a lower, you know, income, if if any. So um, now TikTok has changed. Now it is as I said, completely different. But at that time when everybody was coming to me, it's like, we want to do TikTok and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're, you're selling something that the audience in TikTok is not going to buy. And can you generate video? Well, we don't have video. We don't, then, you know, if you're going to do a channel, do it well. Let, and I loved your your concept on the consistent piece of it because it does feel like whenever we, I, I do think a lot of small business owners get a bit overwhelmed thinking, well, I need to hire a social media person, and and not that there's it's a bad reason to do that or bad to do that, but it does seem like as a small business owner, we make things harder than it has to be in the sense Mm -hmm. of I have to be on five different platforms. Well, now I have to be on Clubhouse. Well, now I have to be doing this, have to be doing that rather than just really being targeted and being um, consistent and strategic. Mm -hmm. Another word you use that I think is really interesting is you talked about audience and is your audience on TikTok. I imagine you probably have a lot of conversations with small business owners on audience. Mm -hmm. And what I ask you about is, It feels like a lot of times when I talk to people on who their customer is, this feels like a question that is so clear in our mind, but then when we talk about it, it gets a bit strange. So here's a great example. Someone who I might say, okay, well, who's your, who is your audience? And they say, well, people who use Facebook. It's like, okay, well, that's billions of people or, you know, it's 5 billion people, right? Or I talked to someone the other day, I said, who's your customer? And he said, you know, people who use computers. And I said, okay, well, that's really generic. So in, in your conversations with people, how do you help them really identify who their target audience is? Yeah, that's a great question. So there is two ways and there is two types of businesses or starting points, if you wish. So the starting point of we are um, a business that have been running and we have data on customers. And so my first uh, you know, step is let's look at your customers. Let's see who they are and let's, let's look deeper into what makes them attracted to your brand or your product. And then from there, we'll generate an audience of people like people that have bought. Um, So that's one starting point. The other starting point is a startup that just 
you know, it's an entrepreneur created a product because they saw they they needed something they couldn't find it in the marketplace, so they created it. Yeah. And often these entrepreneurs think that because they solve a problem they had, that everybody in the audience is like them, which is not always the case. Mm-hmm. So at that time, what we do is a little bit of exploration. We take what we know about the product, about the service, about the brand, and then we go out and look at people that potentially uh, can use it. And then we start experimenting with very uh, low budgets in the channels that have the most efficiencies to find who is purchasing, who is attracted to the brand. Once we know who that person is, then we look for the channel where they are in. But we don't go to the channel first, we go to the audience first. It's got a, I mean, there's obviously, there's, there's uh, like my own industry, there's um, I have many competitors or many people who are in my industry, in the coaching industry. I know in the digital marketing industry, there are tons of people, many of whom who probably have no business being in digital marketing and have no experience in digital marketing. But I had a conversation with someone about this topic of the day, and this person was a digital marketer, and it was on the conversation of audience. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I was just listening to your strategy on sort of testing and really tweaking and figuring this out. Well, his approach was a high budget shotgun-esque approach of we're going to dump thousands of dollars into advertising and just see what sticks. And from there, we'll have a better idea of who your customer is. And this really kind of rubbed me the wrong way for the new business Mm -hmm. owner or the small business owner who we know that for many small business owners, cash is king and cash flow is king. What's it like running a digital marketing business with so much noise out there on how digital marketing should be done? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, let's say it. Um, it is true that there's many theories and uh, a lot of them can get to the same place. Um, you can start in different points in digital marketing and arrive to the same goal, which is making sales. However, each individual client for us, um, as you said, they re- they rely on cash flow and we want to be as efficient as possible. That's our philosophy. Our philosophy is if we were them, how would we do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only thing that I can say about it is like we do things slightly different than everybody else because we truly are partners with our clients. I get emotionally attached to their campaigns, um, but there is a lot of there is a lot of lo- noise. And I'm going to tell you, if you go on TikTok, there is so much, so many hacks, mm-hmm. and that is it's something that just rubs me the wrong way in a in a big way mm-hmm. um, because there is no such a thing as hacks. You cannot do digital marketing for a long-term strategy with just copying and pasting hacks. That's just not going to work. So um, anytime that I see somebody with a different philosophy, I try to first think, well, is this getting to the right place? And if it is, then great. But like the strategy that you just um, mentioned, it's a great strategy if you have $50 million a year in budget and you can just spread it and select sure. from there. But if you only have $500 a month, that spreading in that, let's see what stick, is just not going to spread enough. 
because mm-hmm. it's not going to go anywhere. So you have to be really targeted and modify slowly. So to go back to your question, how does it feel? It feels sometimes um, like there's a lot of misinformation in digital marketing. Sure. And we get a lot of clients that have been burned by hacks or by other digital marketing um, specialists. Mm-hmm. So I cannot talk about them because I don't know who they are, but sure. I can defend what we do. And it, it's rooted in making clients successful. What's the balance? I mean, obviously digital marketing, like many things in business is a long-term game in that you don't necessarily um, put money in one night and the next morning instantly reap the benefits of it. What's the balance or how does a small business owner navigate this balance between being patient to the strategy and at the same time, not being overly, um, I don't say overly involved, but um, it's this challenge, I think, to want to see that money come in, but at the same time, respect mm-hmm. the strategy. And I guess not over tinker with it and not over mess mm-hmm. with it. How do you create that patience for the people you work with? Uh, we created with transparency and education. So um, what you just define is the typical behavior of an entrepreneur. Mm. It's just normal. That's 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 who we all are, entrepreneurs, right? We we want to move forward. We're doing things fast, and we want every result to come in as fast as we're moving. So, but whenever you educate on why the strategy is de- designed that way, what we're learning on the way. And just transparent, like I don't own any of my clients' accounts. They own them and they can go and check on them anytime. Um, whenever you put those three things together, then actually clients start trusting you. At first, it's difficult. We have a lot of conversations. We go over it over and over again. Maybe we will make an A-B test that was not a schedule, but that will make the entrepreneur feel like they're they're being listened because they are. Um, and then whenever things, the results come out, then we see, okay, the design strategy is working and we are going the right way. So, yeah, I would say a lot of conversations and a lot of support and a lot of education. That's that's how we deal with our partnerships. That's how we approach our relationships. It sounds like just good business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish everybody did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's great. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of different channels that people can do advertising on, uh, from Google to more like a social media approach. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask, do you have a favorite place to do advertising? Yes, you are allowed to ask. (laughs) Um, even though, even though we actually advertise in all platforms, um, I really, really like, um, Instagram. It's, uh, for brand awareness is one of the best channels. Um, it is cost effective and it gets you engagement and it gets you um, creating a, a relationship is really easy in Instagram if you have good content. Mm. Uh, for B2B, I really like LinkedIn. LinkedIn mm-hmm. is my favorite, is very structured um, and it has evolved so much since Microsoft bought it. It is, however, very expensive, and that's why B2B, you know, has normally bigger bigger budgets, and we can afford it there. But 
um, yeah, it's it's amazing. LinkedIn is really, really good. What what makes good content? Like when someone wants to develop their brands, they want to build, uh, maybe they know their audience, but they want to really build that audience, that follower mm-hmm. base. You know, the people where they post something, they always know you're going to have a, a slew of raving fans who really enjoy it and, you know, attracts new people as well. Uh, what, what makes great content? Great content is content that engage, listens, and then can actually contribute to the audience growth. But that's kind of like the strategic way of looking at it. To develop such content, you should have buckets of content. Um, Some people call it pillars of content. So divide your content in three to five pillars. It's like, okay, my audience likes the how-tos. So I'm going to create a whole bunch of how-tos. But my audience also likes to see us in the office. And so these are all the things in the office. And my audience also likes these. So you have your content all divided in buckets. Mm -hmm. And all of those buckets really, um, in a way, have the same water, meaning they all surround your content strategy your tone of voice, your messaging, and what your audience is interested in. Um, so are there solutions that they can implement? Are there, um, do they want to see colorful pictures? Do you want to, do they want to see, um, you know, how the product is being used? Or is it more of a relational thing? Just seeing uh, people, you know, using the product, but but the focus is not on the product, it's more on the styling. It's as an example, clothing is a perfect example. You don't you don't get and how to, you know, how to put your jacket. You actually put the jacket on somebody and then they go around the world, right? <laughs> so um, just divide your content into three to five pillars and then schedule it out so that you always know what you're going to do next. You can very much tell whenever content is hurried, we created it yesterday um, and we're always improvising uh, versus content that has been carefully planned and selected and it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you always have to revise your content because if you schedule it too far out, all of a sudden, you know, it's not longer relevant. Right. And this is a perfect example is the podcasts, right? Before the pandemic, a whole bunch of podcasters just batch the content they make it all and then after the pandemic it was no longer relevant so Mm -hmm. they had to redo it all over again that's a perfect example of content and that needed to be revised so that's how that's how you get to good content how do you uh like for people who they're creating content but they feel like the pressure of like for example they're making like a one minute video and it takes them eight hours you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, the lighting's not right. The take's not right. Oh, I didn't say really, really what I really wanted to say. Do you have any, and I know, you know, we're mostly talking about brand awareness and like getting those followers. Do you have tips that you share with some of your customers on helping them be efficient? Because I think, I think that's one of the challenges from the content game is mm-hmm. we have to still run our business, right? Yeah. And like serve our customers. And so peeling off that part of our time can be really challenging how do we do it in a more efficient way? Yes. So at some point, if you're taking eight hours to do one minute video, which is often the case if you're doing it on your own, then maybe it is the time to outsource it. 
is it time to get an expert that can be that can spend two hours and you know just do it right away and do it the correct way Mm -hmm. what i would do is just evaluate how much you are valued per per hour Mm -hmm. like eight hours of work like how much do you think you're worth Mm -hmm. are you worth two hundred dollars an hour then eight hours is a thousand six hundred can you get somebody for six hundred dollars that can do it much faster and Here's the deal. The beauty of the internet is that there is so much out there that you can do effectively. So many platforms, so many crowdsourcing places, so many, you don't have to go to the most expensive. You don't have to get the most produced video. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just get out the the most viable product. Mm -hmm. It looks good. It is within your brand. Um, Then get it out. Sometimes audiences really love the fact that the video is not perfect and it's Mm -hmm. not overproduced. It feels like something that my friend will share with me. So um, that's, that's something to evaluate. Yeah, it does. I do like that sort of authentic feel that can happen with your content when it isn't over managed, overproduced. You mentioned something that was, you know, maybe it's time to um, outsource to somebody else we're talking essentially about running your own advertising, your branding, et cetera. And many of us, we, I think, I think many of us have, well, let me say the the barrier to entry to paid advertising Mm -hmm. is very low. It's not hard to set up your Facebook business account. Um, even though pixel can be a little bit challenging, understand at first, it's not, it's not too bad in terms of like, you don't have to go get a degree to manage it. When is the, when is it the right time for someone to hire someone like you to run mm-hmm. their, their digital marketing, their digital advertising for their business? When you're spending more time in your creating, generating, and managing your advertising than running your own business, whenever you're doing things that you actually don't know how to do and you're having to learn them, right? then it's the time. It's the time to get somebody to save you um, a, lot of, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just calculate your hourly rate and see what you can afford. I would say, um, you know, there is somebody for every budget. Just be careful who you get and make sure that you check their references and and then just go ahead. There's a lot of people that could do the setup and that's it. And then you manage it and it's much easier if you know the setup has been done properly. Um, there is a lot of models out there. Maybe you want somebody to just, you just give them the budget and figure it out then that's, there is people for that too. So know what your comfort level is and then get somebody to help you add your comfort level. Nair, this has been great advice. And I think you've given some real tangible steps for our audience. For people who are listening, what does it look like to work with your business? How do they find you? How do they locate you? What are the next steps? Yeah, just go to our website, springhilldigital.com. Those are three words, springhilldigital.com, just all together. And from there, you can find us very easily. Uh, And working with us is just, we look at your account, we look at your budget, and we see if we can help. If we can help, we'll definitely do it. If I think that you should manage it yourself, I've told many people, like, manage it yourself and if you're not happy with it, then then come back. Uh, so we only help people that we think we can help effectively. Mm-hmm. Naira, would it be okay to send people to your LinkedIn as well? 
Absolutely. You can. Yes. Okay, great. Well, Naira, it's been great having you on the show today. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Blake. It was a pleasure. It was really fun. Good, good. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the link to springhilldigital.com as well as Naira's LinkedIn profile. Both of those are going to be down in the episode description below. And hey, if you've been following the podcast for a while, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so we keep giving you good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, we're on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, if you want to get your business advertised in, in the introduction to the podcast, just go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash good advice and you can find out more there. Hey, thanks for your support. And that is today's good advice. We'll see you later.